Nooner. 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 It's Nooner. Let's do a Nooner. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a short and tight uh, 30-minute Nooner with uh, me, a host. Uh, my name is Marty. And I, I, I don't think anyone's ever referred, it made the reference to short and tight in, in relation to me ever. Oh, um, uh, well, okay. But it is That's, a short and tight one. Sorry, Marty, I didn't mean to derail no, your I, intro. I got a b- bad visual one and that I don't know if I can ever, you know, uh, wash my mind of. Hey, wait, who's that on the other mic, on the other end of things? Oh, that's Will Wilkins crashing your party again. Hey, Will, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Cassandra woke up without a voice, so she's actually here in the room with me, but she's miming everything. Oh, okay. Well, that's great for radio. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's why we're doing it uh, one a little bit shorter, and um, Bill, I think, is acting today, so that's exciting for him. I don't know what he's acting in, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, speaking of acting, this weekend was the Oscars. Yeah, it uh, was. Boy, oh boy. I got to tell you, as a guy who who almost never watches the Oscars, I'm so glad I did this year. This is just one of those zeitgeist moments I'm glad I was part of. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're recording this because that just got mangled on my side. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be fine on this end, but that's for yeah. me. That was uh, so insightful of you, Will. Well, what I was saying is I'm just glad that I actually did did watch it because normally I do not watch the Oscars at all. Uh, typically, uh, I I don't care. I have no interest. But but they were able to suck me in this year because there was the potential of Lin Manuel Miranda getting the O in his egot. And, oh, right. Yeah, hey. and plus. I did kind of want to see how everything played out with La La Land, and and boy, was that an interesting uh, yeah. I mean, for outcome. Anybody who uh, missed it, which I don't think anybody did, um, but uh, the highlight was when the best best picture was announced. And um, uh, well, why did why am I still seeing you? I turned my camera off. Well, you, that's your camera, Marty. No, I didn't turn mine off. Oh, I see. I probably oh. should, but I haven't. No, no, no. There we go. Fine. Sorry. Uh, so, um, Faye Dunaway or Warren Beatty, like you opened the envelope for the best uh, film uh, award and, and Warren Beatty and or so he Faye thought. Dunaway. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think or so he thought. Right. Right. So they were on stage because it was the 50th anniversary of uh, um, uh, Bonnie and Clyde and which won in uh, 50 years ago. And uh, she she uh, he read, looked at it. And Faye Dunaway was like, come on, quit teasing everybody. And then so he just didn't know what to do. So in the most gentlemanly way, he just handed the envelope to Faye Dunaway. And she just read the first thing movie she saw, which or first thing she saw, which was La La Land. But of course, it was uh, the um, the best actress award that she was reading. Well, and, and it's just it's a crazy thing. Uh, to think about overall, uh, because essentially what we what we now know is that that Warren Beatty was somehow given the wrong envelope. Uh, they have right. Price right. Waterhouse yeah. Cooper has uh, they have uh, people with briefcases and the envelopes on either side of the stage, so they could handle hand them off to the presenter that comes out through that area, and somehow 
Yeah. He, he was given the other envelope for, someone, for Best Actress, which, which uh, what's her name? Uh, Emma Stone said, I, I've, I've got the envelope, so I don't know what they're talking about. Warren Beatty was like, he's like, I've got it too. And he showed it, you know, he showed it to Jimmy Kimmel and, and he had it as well. And so they have a backup. Uh, it wasn't like they printed overprinted one, but they they gave Warren Beatty the backup. Didn't happen with the the sound editing or sound mixing one. No, the best picture one. Which, well, I, I think every- my my favorite takeaway from this whole thing, Marty, is and and I don't mean to disparage actors in any way, but it's kind of almost like with without any direction, didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Well, it, you know, you've got hundreds of millions of people watching and. Like it's live, and what are you supposed to do when you're given the envelope? I mean, I guess, I guess, I, I, I literally, I would rather, it, given the fact that we now as a culture are painfully aware of what happens if somebody announces the wrong winner. Uh, most recently, you know, comes to mind uh, Steve Harvey, much as the way the the Twitter and internet remembered as well once this happened. Right. Uh, right. You know, when it what it all boils down to is you don't want to be the person. That names the wrong thing. So I literally would have just said, "Faye." I, I would have said, "Faye, Phil," for a second, and I would have I would have walked off stage to a stage manager manager and said, "Look at the envelope," because if he had uh, not been in such a panic, he he would have realized that the envelope itself, because we've even seen pictures, shows yeah. on the outside that it was for Best Actress oh, in a motion right, picture. Right. Yeah. Uh- but who who looks at that? You know, when you're walking out, like well, you know, and 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 to make sure I got the right one. That's Pricewaterhouse Coopers. You know, that's their responsibility. Plus, we're 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 not standing on a stage in front of millions of people, so it's easy to uh, right. effectively Monday morning quarterback this. Right, and uh, you know the the La La Land producers. They three of the producers gave their um, their acceptance speeches. Um, in well, it was during the third one where the they recognized the fuck up because all sorts of confusion was going on, like stage managers running around like they, you know, that's not the right one. And, and, uh, they, um, the, the producer graciously said, Oh, you know, we, we didn't win moonlight. You guys won. And then like, then, you know, it sucks for both of them because like La La Land, they faced that disappointment. And then the moonlight people, they don't get their moment is just, chaos and they don't get to actually absorb it and have their their moment in the spotlight you know that's true and that's why i think in some ways although warren Beatty's explanation was lacking the one important thing that he did do was at the very end where he did hold up the card and he said best motion pick i mean he at least gave them their due in a proper announcement even though it was after the fact you know what i mean they still got their sound bite if you will Right, right. No, that that is true, and and it also gave me clarity uh, a bit about uh, 1993, um, which I, I don't know if you remember that, but that was when Marissa Tomei won Best Supporting Actress for mm-hmm. um, My Cousin Vinny, and she was up against you know these heavy hitters, um, and everybody. The the rumor is, and you can look on Snopes that Jack Palance misread uh, or got the name wrong. Or, or just screwed up and uh, said Marissa Tomei when it should have been like Geraldine Page or whoever it was. Um, and when we see here, like that doesn't happen, you know, like Price Waterhouse Cooper is not going to let that ha- happen. Well, it'll they- be interesting. I think what'll be interesting to see is what happens next year, because I think if nothing else, 
there's going to be like a 10-minute delay, so that way they have time, if they have to, to actually like just drop lights, reorganize, and bring them back up and, and go again. You know what I mean? Well, I, it, to its, you know, I think that they probably, people will watch it next year more. I mean, this year, the, the uh, viewership went down for the third year in a row, but I'll guarantee that next year there'll, there'll be more people watching because they want that sort of, that dynamic, um, you know, in the moment sort of live uh, uh, spectacle, you know, which we don't get a, a lot, you know, except on Twitch. Well, and I think uh, it. I think one thing too that is abundantly clear is that this was not in any way any type of of planned event to create a viral moment. I think it was a legitimate mistake. Right. I think it's very unfortunate that the host that they had during the time is the guy that is so well known for 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 pranking as well. Right. That, that didn't help things. As a matter no, of fact, no. I think you know, Jimmy Kimmel would be much happier had nothing of this sort happened at all under his tenure. Oh, yeah. No, and he and his monologue last night was explaining, like, yeah, it, had he done the prank, it would have been much sillier. You know, he would. He said he would have put a Bed Bath & Beyond coupon in there. Which I thought, that that's true. That's genius. Makes perfect right. sense. Right, yeah. So, um, but what did you think of the Oscars otherwise? Um, I, you know, I, I found them to be very Oscar like much in the same way that they always are. It, you know, they were, you had your, your set pieces, you had your, your, your beats. Um, I think the performance of the music is always, uh, nice. And I felt really, uh, you know, one of the things as a, as a parent that I experience now, and I don't know if it's cause I'm in my mid forties or not. And it's like both of those things, but you know, I was crying when the, when the 16 year old uh, girl was performing her song, uh, one of her songs from Moana, because I'm just like, she's 16 years old and, and here she's been part of this, this culturally moving, um, uh, cart, you know, animated, uh, movie. And, and now she's up on stage in front of millions performing. I mean, what a, I mean, and then I start thinking as her parent, oh, what an incredible moment, the pride the parents must have. And I start crying. So that's sure. what, that's what I really connected with. But other than that, the Oscars, it was just, you know, Kimmel brought his own take, you know, with uh, candy and stuff falling from the sky. That was interesting. Um the tourists coming off the bus that was very cute it, it was much better than the uh than the pizza stunt i i think that that ellen did um right right was that two years prior now was it last year the two years ago i can't even remember it, you know she broke twitter with the with the tweet uh with the picture of stars and then uh there was the pizza gag i like the tourist one though only because it, it's taking well, I guess that's kind of the same thing as the pizza gag, though, because it takes ordinary people and throws them into an extraordinary situation. Right. Yeah. So and they were cool. so gay. They were. Yeah. And they were really sweet. And, and I mean, it was a little tense because you're like, you know, what if there's a weirdo amongst them? You know, but they they uh, got some very game people. Thankfully speaking. I, and I bet you I, I'm sure they it wasn't exactly a very full bus. So I'm sure that they. You know, may have gotten <laughs> like, yo, guy with the Kevin Smith shirt on. You stay on the bus. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I, I, you know, one of the things I, I just, I've never taken one of those buses, but I would have loved to have been one of the people just because I know I would have made a spectacle of myself. Yeah. And I'm not totally. necessarily sure that's a good thing. But, you know, as, since I'm not a connoisseur, if you will, of the Oscars, 
I have a funny feeling between the two of us, uh, you may have more viewing experience. So how would you say the Oscars this year compared to years prior? Well, um, I thought that it was I thought it was good. I think that um, Jimmy Kimmel was Jimmy Kimmel and and which is what you you want. You know, you don't want somebody uh, like like James Franco doing something that he shouldn't be doing. Oh, you know? that's who was it last year that it was Franco and uh... no, it was a few years ago. Okay. So, yeah. But like uh, Anne Hathaway, uh, James Franco. So that that part was great, and and I think it was it was nice, and it it moved at at a pace. And there are no like amazing speeches. Uh, Viola Davis was a little was good, but um, a little um, emotional, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but uh, yeah, my sister uh, took her daughter there this year, and they left before because it was a school night. But they were at In and Out when they heard all the craziness happening. Um, but uh, I mean, I think it's really fun to to go. I've uh, Dan and Etheridge and I went the first year we moved out to L.A. And I was like I, in a forty dollar tux that I got at a used clothing store, way up in the nosebleed seats. How do you and how it, do you get tickets to the Oscars? How does that even work? Uh, just through family friends who had two extra tickets and knew that we would be thrilled to go, and they they're in the academy and. Uh, they they were nominated that year for a documentary and so we we got to go and and uh it was when um uh, kevin costner won over martin scorsese for uh, goodfellas versus dances with wolves Damn. and i remember in the crowd like martin scorsese exiting like elbowed me in the chest like trying to get out of there as quickly as possible and i was oh. like That's cool <laughs> kind of so he you're saying that particularly he probably beat a path out of there just as fast as Faye Dunaway did. Right, exactly. Like, she was gone from the stage. That was amazing. Well, and it was, you know, that's the thing, too. I mean, I I kind of appreciate the fact that this at least happened when I was watching. Uh, Because in my house, I would say there really needs to be something to to help make it a unique experience. Because, you know, my wife does not like award shows at all. I don't either. But like for some reason, growing up, we, it was always a thing. Like Monday night, we, for those of you who don't know, the Oscars used to be on Monday night, and we would just all gather. The entire family would. We loved movies, so we would all gather around. We never. Sorry about that. Oh, oh, you have a meeting coming up. Oh, <laughs> well, I know, I know what that's all about. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, we, you know, we would just gather around, and we never watched the Emmys or the Grammys or the Tonys, but always the Oscars. And so it's it's always been a special thing for me. Well, and there are people that, that that this is like their annual event as well. Even though they're hosting their own Oscar party in their house, they they'll dress up, they'll do tuxedos or suits and ties, and and yeah. like and and this is their their Super Bowl, if you will. So, I absolutely. And and I just I don't have that level of, of commitment or desire, if you will. So yeah, I mean there have been a couple of years where I've missed. Um, I think just in my middle age, I've just and in my failed uh, entertainment career, I just like you know get jaded and be like, oh fuck those guys. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, uh, this year was fun because it was it was fun to see Moonlight winning uh, the awards that it did, and and just to see some some like. I don't know if it was a, I think it was a fair representation of the, uh, of diversity. I don't think it was like a, a, 
sort of a payback awards, you know, like we're, we're sorry, we're so white for a hundred years, you know. Well, and, and I think, uh, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're like the main driver in that comment kind of comes from last year where there was like even a hashtag and, and just the terminology I'd never thought I'd hear, which is Oscars so white because there was just so much uh, out there, but didn't seem to get uh, recognition uh, yeah. from the Academy. Yeah, and and to see it um, this year, where I think everything was, all the the nominations were were deserved, um, and it was nice to see a, a South Asian person being um, nominated for the first time in a long time, um, uh, in Dev Patel for for Lion, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess the only other Asian, like, well, let's see. Asian actors who have won the past Ben Kingsley's half Indian. He won for Gandhi. And then, uh, oh, this is terrible. I can't remember the guy's name who won for the killing fields, but that was pretty amazing. I know what uh, you mean. Yeah. I, rem- I vaguely remember it. Yeah. And so it's, it's great to see, uh, more of that. And, and I think that, uh, also the other really nice thing is that it was good to see a movie like Moonlight or even La La Land where these aren't, well, I guess La La Land was a mainstream movie, but like, you know, it was a little bit in terms of themes. It, it it was a it was a braver movie than than other movies in that it was a musical. And then Moonlight was just a just a purely indie movie made for you know made with no names and just to be hailed so uh, uniformly you know across the board. It's it was great to see that it got some some. Uh, uh, mainstream re- recognition. And hopefully- I, I, I think you bring up a good point in that too, Marty, because uh, it's it's definitely kind of a a weird film world we live in, where the only thing that gets financed are, are tent poles or major motion pictures, because that's the only way they know how to effectively monetize. And there are, I mean, for lack of a better term, the the indie film world is in peril. It has been for years now, and. You know, it it is also the uh, the part of the industry that that gives us the most unique perspectives and original stories. And I, I honestly feel we are at a point where we are are threatened with losing that that little cottage portion of the industry if it doesn't start to get more recognition. And and also, I'm sorry, but uh, what was that? What was the silent film that was done? Uh, uh, like a well, it was a number of years ago, but it but it was a darling at the Oscars as well. It was done in, uh, you know, um, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, God, oh, what was that one called? Uh, the 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 singer is that what it was? It the was something along those lines. It was a simple title, and the whole point was it was more of a callback to the silent film industry. So I don't really view La La Land as that as that brave or a, a bold experiment, because once again. It's just another retro film back to a uh, previous era. One I wouldn't mind seeing coming back as a person that loves, uh, you know, dance or uh, singing in the rain, for example. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, and you know, I I didn't, I enjoyed La La Land, and I appreciated it for, for certain, um, certain sort of technical things. But as a movie, I didn't. As a story, I didn't love it. You know, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you know once it comes to um, pay cable. <laughs> um, well, I, what I'm hoping is that uh, that after this, right now, um, you, I, around LA, like uh, uh, 
Moonlight is only showing in like one or two theaters and, you know, because it had its run. But hopefully now people will see it and people will see uh, uh, in, in the theaters because I'm sure it will get a re-release and and people will get to it will make money. And then people also see a movie about uh, uh, with queer themes and, and a multicultural cast. So I'm, I'm very happy for them. It's amazing to think, too, that uh, uh, an actor who whose presence I really wasn't aware of until, of all things, the uh, Netflix Marvel original series Luke Cage, uh, I, the, the gentleman that won from Moonlight for, I don't know if it was a supporting actor, actor yeah. but uh, you know, he played Cotton something or other on, 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 um, on Luke Cage, uh-huh. And, and I thought he was an amazing actor then. And then just seeing some of the samples from Moonlight makes me want to see that film more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I've held off on seeing it I, as I was sent a copy because uh, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild. But um, I would, I do want to see it in a theater and I want to support a film like that. So we should all support independent theater. I mean, independent cinema, as, as I think a lot of people do um, who who watch Kevin Smith movies, you know? Well, you know, and it's a, it's a weird, uh, you know, I, where I live, I can say, uh, you know, there's an awareness of independent film because I still have granted it's a reach to get to them, but there are still theaters in San Francisco, Berkeley and Oakland, for example, that will run these independent features. Sure. Uh, but you know, if you think about, uh, you know, Alan Smith in Podunk, Kansas. When it, where is he going to see Moonlight? You know what I mean. And it isn't until they get awards like this that we get to see the the greater distribution. So hopefully, it will uh, it will open the eyes of other people to to some of the options that are out there. Yeah, um, I was very sad about Bill Paxton, though. Oh uh, my that gosh, happened. that was a uh, shit Bill way Paxton. to start Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I guess on Saturday he was getting um, heart surgery, and there he died from complications from it. And I guess he had had multiple surgeries, I think. But uh, I was a uh, just always loved him, and just you know, uh, Conan O'Brien said told a really sweet story about him uh, last night, and his monologue you can check out online. Uh, do you have any favorites of it, of his? You know, I think the first time I would say I was introduced to the breadth of, of talent that Paxson has uh, was when, you know, uh, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, I run across A Simple Plan, I think was the name of the film. Oh, and, yeah. And it's yeah, just that a was... simple concept. Two cops come across a car uh, and it's got lots of money in it. So or, and every other element in the story that was there. And, and it's just the way this simple plan devolves. Uh, but uh, just the dynamics between the two characters, Bill Paxton did a great thing. But let's not forget, too, his, his directorial de- debut, Frailty, was an amazing film. It was a crazy film. Very, very creepy. Uh, yeah, and so, like, what a great career he had, you know, all the James Cameron movies. But it's my first introduction. I don't know if you recognize this clip here. I'm going to play it. How about a nice greasy, greasy pork sandwich? Served in a dirty ashtray. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who can forget him as Chet? But, uh, you know, that's the thing, too, about uh, Paxton is that, and I think 
Kevin Smith actually is the one who kind of introduced me to this terminology, but it's true. Anytime you uh, put him put him in something, he's one of those key characters that is the cartilage that holds things together. And right. and he just like even recently he had I think it was near the end of the first uh, season of Agents of Shield. He had a brief run there as the eventual right. big bad, and just. I mean, you'd think it's it's just a silly, schlocky TV show, so why commit? But he was just wholly committed to the role, and, and it was just interesting parallel, too, because I think the character was attempting to uh, better themselves because of a, a, a heart problem, so. Oh, right, right. A little parody there in life, but yeah, that was a that was that was one of those losses that we didn't expect, especially considering he, you know, even my wife said, and I'm not saying this because I'm closer to sixty now than I've ever been before, but really, it, sixty That's nowadays awesome. is a young age to be gone, and yeah. uh, you know, not to mention too, if you think about it, the life that he infused into the lead character in Big Love must have been an amazingly complex role to attempt to play because of all of the. Uh, the internal struggle that character seemed to have between uh, what was right uh, from a religious standpoint, a personal standpoint, etc., and and you know obviously living this diverse lifestyle that is not considered mainstream and it mostly is like frowned upon from greater society, and I think that was a real. I mean, he he walked a fine line, and I don't think he ever gave us enough to wholly like the character and i think that was a choice and it was intentional yeah yeah um i actually never saw it but it does i i just think that like he he had such a look that um where he could play both a goofy person and a, a villain and you know a tough guy and and it just and he made full use of that with his talents too so well and i i think too like one of the roles that he really uh, for his portion stole the film and and i'll always remember it because it, for some reason this is just one of my my late teen favorites but uh tr- his character in true lies was just classic yes for all my problems with the misogyny in that movie, he was great in that. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, he will be missed. Most uh, definitely. That's a Ralph Garman thing, right? Yes, it is. That's from Hollywood Babylon. Yes. Well, I th- actually, he did that on his radio show before. That too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if everybody knows that um, the original producer on the L.A. radio show, or not the original, but one of the producers uh, was Jimmy Kimmel. Yep. And when he left to do the man show on comedy central with, uh, um, what's his name? Harry guy, Adam Carolla, mm-hmm. uh, Ralph Garman took over for him. Yeah. So. And that's on uh, K rock, the Kevin and bean show, a, a Los Angeles institution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, um, Oh, before we leave, uh, we only have a few minutes left before you have to jump on your meeting. Uh, any good comic books you're reading, you're reading these days honestly right now no uh once again i you know last time we discussed i was kind of in catch-up mode and in reading the vision more than likely like a year late and and actually uh most recently i just finished reading ready player one which isn't a a a comic or graphic novel at all but one of the nerdier reads to come out in the in the this portion of the decade and Um, a couple years late on that one too yeah that was like 2011 or 12 so yeah uh that movie i mean that book is great steven spielberg is directing it uh the movie adaptation i believe and uh of course they replacing the character with like 
somebody like super hot. And I like the, the fact that like he's kind of a lumpy guy in the in the book. Well, and it's uh, okay to be a lumpy guy in the beginning as long because the story even takes that you know hero's right. journey turn. Right. right. Uh, I, I will tell you, if I did have uh, the ability to just gather all the comics at once, the one I would be most interested in reading is the uh, sort of the reboot of Captain America, uh, because, um, you know, in this, it he, for whatever reasons are within the story, he appears to be uh, functioning as a as a very a deep undercover operative of Hydra. And, and from what I understand recently, uh, you know, this was part of the Red Skull's plan. And now it's sort of backfiring because Captain America is also fully embracing the role and he is, in effect, trying to to uh, undermine the Red Skull and take over Hydra. So that in itself is an amazing twist uh, already on top of this story. Like yeah, so, that. yeah. So that I'd like to check out, um, but I haven't. So uh, I have been – I gave my uh, niece – Paper Girls, that's uh, Brian K. Vaughn's latest uh, uh, rag. Um, and I need to steal it from her because I want to read it. Um, <laughs> in the middle of Runaways, I'm way behind on that. But uh, Paper Girls looks really cool. It's about uh, these sort of uh, butch paper girls who fight off invading aliens. So well, um, Somebody's got who, to. Who cannot like yeah. All right. You got to jump off. Um, but guys, thank you so much for listening. Sorry, it's such a, an abbreviated version this uh, week, but we will be back next week with a full on one. And uh, in the meanwhile, uh, you can tweet at us. Our mail sack is a little light and we will see you next Tuesday. If that fuck. If that fuck. If that fuck. If that fuck. If that fuck, time to tip that fuck. Time to tip that fuck. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.